Thanks for letting me come out. It's awesome. <laughs> okay, this is for our base of operations. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, before I do, there's uh, two really cool things I want to interact with you about. The first is that <clears throat> when it was really in November that we announced we we're going to have a Christmas offering, and uh, we announced we we're going to raise money to be able to uh, have a youth leader for next year, for both for the high school and, and our kids. And then <clears throat> Olivia got cancer, and so we really didn't talk about it too much after that. Um, but I want to uh, announce with excitement that as of last week, uh, all $25,000 came in. And so we met that, so we're ready to go. Which leads us to our next step, which is prayer, uh, that we find the right person. Uh, you, you, you don't want to just... Uh, Ask anybody to do this. We want somebody who really has both the heart for it, skill for it, and then a relationship with Christ whereby they can move forward with it. So that's, that's our next task. We'll, we'll start looking. You guys start praying. Uh, the other is this little block of wood. Uh, the Grand Prix is coming up. You heard about that. And each of the families, each of the kids gets this block of wood. And uh, a couple of the families said, what do you do with a block of wood? Um, and we said, well, you shape it into a car. Uh, you may not have the tools for that or necessarily know how to be able to do that. And so this Friday night from uh, 5 to 8, I and a couple other guys will be here as well as Saturday morning will be here. Um, and you can bring your car and we'll not only teach them how to use the tools, they'll be able to shape the car and they will go home with all 10 fingers and thumbs. <laughs> Okay, today we are, we're talking about this bold. Uh, does a bold, does uncertainty around us mean that we have uncertain lives? And it doesn't. We're able to be bold. We've talked week after week about how important boldness is. Um, today, we are going to focus on your base of operations. Where, what is your base of operations? So when you are in the Army, uh, one of the most important uh, Adam is here. He was actually in the army. So Adam, if I say anything's not true, just stand up and go, not true. Uh, in, in the army, your base of operations is super important to your boldness. It is where you operate from. It's where you know that when real trouble comes, that's where we're going back to. It's where you know out of your base of operations comes your supplies, comes your commands, comes your direction, comes your intel. It all comes out of that base of operations. You all have a base of operations. You operate from, presently you operate from a base of operations. If it is secure, when uncertainty comes toward you, you can operate from that place and be secure. When it is not secure and life comes at you or you are taking on life, you tend to, you tend to respond either harshly or as a wimp, right? In boldness, in boldness, it's not, boldness is not standing up and screaming at the top of your lungs. Boldness is not that you are harsh and you're just the strongest, toughest person in the room. Boldness actually is a response to a situation that brings health and goodness. You do the right thing in a tough spot. So how does this work? Uh, in marriage, it works pretty simple. Uh, if I am building something, uh, I do lots of building projects from time to time, and I'm building something to prove to my wife I can do it. If I'm doing that for that reason, 
And she walks in and goes, why are you doing it that way? You don't believe in me? What's, why are you always picking on me? What's the deal with this? Right? Why? Because my base of operations, really weak. If I am building something because I love my wife and I am sure I know what I'm doing, and even if I don't, that's okay. I can fix it later. When she comes in and says, what are you doing? I get to go, oh, look, here's my idea. Don't know if it'll work, but here's my idea. It's a bold, correct response. In your lives, in your dating life, if you come from a solid base of operations, then you can date as a man to find a woman that you want to take care of, protect, and care for the rest of your life. If you have a faulty base of operations, you're looking for a woman who will make you feel good. And that leads not to you being bold and doing the right thing at the right time. That leads you to responding poorly, oftentimes pretending to be somebody you're not, or promising things you can't deliver. Same thing's flipped with a girl. If you have a bold, if you're on a base of operations, then you're able to go, look, I know what I'm doing. I know who I am. I'm looking for a man that I can build up and who will raise my children in such a way, who will lead my family in such a way that they will one day meet Jesus. If you don't have that base of operations, if you don't know who you are, then you'll often give away things that you should never give away until after you have that ring on your finger. You will pretend to be somebody that you're not. So how does this work with Christ? The passage that we're going to talk through or work through today is in Hebrews chapter 4. And last week we we were interacting, we found out, <clears throat> excuse me, um, sorry, um, last week we were interacting with, with Christ and he is, we found out he was greater than Moses and we walked our way down through and, and, found, and wow, <clears throat> somebody uh, grab me some water back there, that'd be great. Um, need water at your base of operations. <laughs> Uh, this is like, let's make a deal. You guys ever watch that? Movie? That was awesome. So today we're in Hebrews chapter 4, and we're, start, we're starting with this idea. God's rest is a bold base of operations. Well, I really uh, would like to reword that to God's rest is a base of operations from which you can be bold. And... So we're going to learn about, study about God's rest. What is this thing about God's rest? How do you enter into God's rest? How do you stand or work from God's rest? And before we, before we jump into that piece of it, really, really quick question for you. Where do you operate from? Do you operate from rest? If people were to follow you around and interact with you and, 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 and say, hey, how do you interact with uncertain times? How do you interact with things where, like, everything's changed? Or in this relationship, I'm really struggling. Or in this financial situation, I'm really struggling. How do you interact? How do you interact with your future? 
Not just eternity, but retirement. Are you at rest? Do you, do you operate from rest? Or are you frenzied? Are you constantly uncertain? Is your life uncertain? Or do you operate from rest? I'm not going to ask if you want to operate from rest because the answer is, oh, yes. I would love to be able to operate from rest. So this is what God has to say. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, uh, since the promise of entering his rest still stands. So his declaration, and this comes out of chapter 3, his declaration is that the promise of entering his rest still stands. It's still available. And then he says, let us. In this next 12 verses, 13 verses, he says, let us twice. All right? So in terms of studying it, this is good. That means what, part am, I, what am I supposed to do as a result of what he's teaching us? He tells us twice. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have, an, to have fallen short of it. It, it, it. When it says be careful, it actually is the word fear. You should fear. You should act, out, you should act like, make, take this seriously. Do something about this to make sure you don't fall short of God's rest. That you don't get almost there, but you never enter his rest. So our command, our teaching, our wisdom is, hey, you need to do something to make sure you walk into God's rest. And then he begins to teach us a little bit about God's rest. He says, God's, or God's rest is, the point is that God's rest is available to you. Hebrews 4.2 says, for we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Because they did not share faith of those who believed. All right. So they had good news proclaimed to them. God told them. Who's the them? The them is actually going all the way back to the nation of Israel who had left Egypt through all these miracles, went through the Red Sea, miracles after miracles, fed manna, miracles after miracle, came to the promised land. It was going to be the land of rest. So they'd been slaves. And now God promises, promises them rest. Think about that. You've been a slave. Your only value in life is that you do the work that other people want you to do. You have no choice. Now you're going to enter into this place of rest. And they go in, they send in spies, and they find out it is an amazing place to rest. It's almost like the, the whole country is a giant resort. They have these Grapes that are amazing. They've got, they've got, it's called the land of milk and honey, but it's got giants. And God has made them a promise they can go in, but it's got giants. They come to, or they come back out, and, and the spies, 10 of them say, it's giants, there's no way we can take it. We need to go back to slavery, back to Egypt. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, we can do it. God promised us we can enter into our rest. That's what he's talking about here. And he says that the message, the good news, was of no value to them because they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't respond to it with faith. He goes on in chapter 3. Now, we who have believed enter that rest. Okay. So be believers enter the rest. Important point. Just as God had said. So I declared on my oath in my anger, 
they shall never enter my rest. Now that comes from a quote from, actually from Psalm, now I forgot the number, 97. If I'm not right on that one, you can, you can uh, come back to me, but I'm pretty sure it's Psalm 97. And, and then in, so he's quoting them from Psalms 97, which from a story that happened in Numbers 14, the story of them coming into the land. And yet his works have been finished, I'm sorry, they shall never enter my rest. Yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. Now, as you're working through this part of the passage, he's actually saying, he's just proving that the rest is still open, that it's still available. Verse 5, for somewhere, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. So God has his rest where he worked for six days and then he rested. And then he says, okay, these people aren't going to enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience. So it was still available. They didn't go in. We know why they didn't go in because of unbelief. That's what we learned last week, that your enemy is unbelief. God again set a certain day, certain day calling it today. So the rest, the first time going into the land of Israel, that first rest was long before when David said, God again set a certain day calling it today. So it's still open. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them the rest, in other words, if it had been completed, if it was closed, God wouldn't have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains a Sabbath rest. What's a Sabbath rest? What's he mean, Sabbath rest? For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. A Sabbath rest is when you rest from your works. You re God works six days, he rests. A Sabbath rest is when you rest from your works. It's super important. This is what it's all about today. Just as God did from his. Then here's the lettuce thing again. Let, let us therefore... Make every effort to enter that rest. Now that's an odd, that seems like an odd way to say it. So you're supposed to make every effort to enter into a thing where you don't rest, where you, where you rest. Wait, you work really hard to enter into a thing where you don't work? He says, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. This is important. Because if you follow their example of disobedience, and what was disobedience? It was unbelief. God had made you a promise, and you go, God, I don't trust you. God makes you a promise. God, I don't trust you. So that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So what is God's rest? What is God's rest? In its simplest form. He's already told us what it is. 
you rest from your works. What are you working at? What are you working at? What is bringing stress into your life? In the simplest, in the simplest terms of what we're talking about today, what is causing you to respond as a wimp or harsh? What causes you to respond as a wimp? What do you mean? I know what is true. I know what is right. But I'm not going to do anything about it. Or harsh. You're overreacting and attacking the people. You're not actually dealing with the problem. You're not actually helping people in uncertain times. You're just making sure everybody knows you're right. In, in your day-to-day life, what is bringing the most stress to your life? What is it? Get that in your head. Get that in your heart. Some people, some of you are perfectionists. You're like, I'm not sure if it's this one or this one. And you'll spend the rest of the message trying to figure out which one it is. Just pick one. All right? Just pick one and come with me. All right? Just, just come with me. Let's work through some things. What is God's rest? It is where I rest from my works and God's promises become reality. God has promised to pay for your sin and forgive you of your sin. Let's deal with your, let's deal with your future. Are you struggling with your future? Do you on a day-to-day basis both worry about and react to other people either wimply or harshly because you're, you're, you're worried about next week. You're worried about retirement. You're worried. Like, what's going to happen to you when you die? How about your identity? We, we live in a world where they've started a new thing. And it is a very new thing, which is this idea of sexual identity, that your identity comes from who you want to have sex with. And your kids are facing this, and therefore, you're definitely facing this. You better be facing this. Are you, are you working about that? In other words, does that, is that something you're like, I, I, I don't know, are you overreacting? Are you underreacting? Or are you boldly reacting? God's rest is where you get to have a base of operations whereby God says, I will forgive you of your sins and therefore give you eternal life. I will give you a brand new identity. You are now, God says, the God the Father says you are now my child. God the Son says you are my brother. That is who you are. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone, most of all yourself. You know who you are. That is who you are. God says you're incredibly wealthy. He promises to meet your need. You will have everything that you need today. That's his promise. 
You're going to have everything you need today. That's God's rest. To live by works is to live to prove yourself. There's so much I have to do. There's so much I have to get right in my life. There's so much I have to change. And if your base of operations is not Christ alone, then you're not in his rest. You're in a place of works. Now, before, any, before I go any further, I just want you to take 30 seconds and imagine if it were true that you were everything God ever dreamed you'd be and you don't need, you don't have to work to change that. I want you to take just a few seconds, think about this, that you are truly loved, immensely, eternally loved, that someone is got their eye on you all of the time. They're thinking about you. They know you, and they are committed to doing what's best for you no matter what. You are loved. I want, I want you to, th you don't have to do a thing. No works. You don't have to do anything to get God to love you. I, I want you to think about living that way. That you are forgiven, and therefore you belong. You, you don't have to work to belong to Christ. You don't have to work to be in his presence. He's giving this to you by grace. Imagine living from that place. When you do, your base of operations is Jesus. How do I enter into God's rest? How do I enter into God's rest? God's word, now God's word and the Bible is the Bible and Jesus. It's literally, in John it says, the word became flesh. Right? So there's not a difference between who Jesus is and what the Bible says. There's, there's not a difference like, oh, the Bible says this, is that what Jesus, yes. Now, here's the huge piece to how do you enter the rest. It's a person. It's not a way. It's not a path, and it's not a work. It's a person. And Jesus comes, and he makes you a promise. And he says, I went to the cross. I took all of your fears. I took all of your sin. I took all of your uncertainties. They were all put on me. And I paid for all of your sin. And we're going to take communion a little bit. Matter of fact, you have the communion things there, and we're going to take communion a little bit. Communion is the remembering of Christ's death. And I'm going to add to it, this is, it's his resurrection. He's alive. How do I do that? And he says, by grace, you can't earn it, and you can't work for it. By grace, you cannot deserve it. You come to the place in your life where you realize it doesn't matter how hard I work. It doesn't matter what I do. It, 
And, and many, many times people are like, okay, I want a better relationship with Jesus. I'm going to work at it. And so I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to stop cursing as much. I'm going to, and then you got your list, whatever your list is, right? I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to do all of these things so I can have a better relationship with Jesus. The way you enter his rest is you stop the work. And you understand and you accept that relationship by grace. He's going to give it to me. And then it says, I have here, by grace through faith and I have obedience. I have obedience there because faith always leads to obedience. And in our Hebrews passage, he said, you had unbelief and disobedience. He, he links the two. How are they linked? How does that work? It works just like this. When you are loved, when you trust Christ that he loves you, what do you do? You love. Loved people find it very easy to love. When you know you are loved, you find it very easy to love. When you are given God's blessing, when God says, I'm going to take care of you financially, I'm going to, I'm going to give you this, and you know that God's going to take care of you. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to have everything I need for tomorrow. I'm going to need it. I, God promised me, I'm going to have everything I need for tomorrow. You know what you do? You give. You give. Why? Because when you've been given to, it's easy to give. When you've been forgiven, and you know you've been forgiven, and when you know you've been forgiven of woo, a room full of sin, you find it very easy to forgive. Why? Because forgiven people forgive. Now listen, it's very important. If you step off of Jesus and you say, oh, I need to love better so I can have a relationship with Jesus, that's works. When you step off of Jesus and you say, I'm going to do these things and these things and these things so that Jesus will forgive me, you step off of work. You, 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 you're, you're in works. You're not resting. You're working. We don't obey to get a relationship with Jesus Christ. We accept the relationship with Jesus Christ by grace. And when we do, the natural flow is obedience. That's where it comes from. So for you personally, before we step into this next piece, for you personally, which one are you doing? Are you resting? Are you interacting with life from a place of rest? You know you can trust Jesus. You know that if you never accomplish another thing in your life, I belong to Jesus. He's the one who's going to produce things in me. I can rest. Or are you trying to make something of your life by works? I'm trying to get it done. I'm trying to make it happen. So God's word is the key to entering and living in God's rest. We're about to take uh, communion. As a matter of fact, if you would, grab your elements. And yes, you have to pre-tear these off. If you try to tear these off in a hurry, 
that goes badly. God's word is the key to entering and living in God's rest. So he walks us down through there and he says, you need to enter God's rest. He, he, he says the, the rest is still available. But then he says this. I've always thought it was odd. Like what? What? He says this. For the word of God is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered, laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. What? The Bible, the Word of God, Jesus, has the ability to show you exactly where your heart is. To show you exactly whether or not you live in rest or works. Whether or not you respond to life and you're able to be bold because you live in rest or if you're harsh, or a wimp, because you live in works. The gospel is that the bread represents his body, which was broken for you. He paid for all of your sin. He paid for all of it. You can't fix yourself. You also cannot come to him and go, I won't, uh -uh, let's do both. I want to hang on to my sin. I want to hang on to my pride. I want to hang on to my self-righteousness. I want to hang on to my own dream for my own life. There's some things in life I want to do. And I, 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 don't, I don't believe Jesus. I don't believe that what you've given me is enough. So I want to do both. I want to live... And I want to bring something to the table. But, but I want to trust Jesus too. No. Well, how would I know? How would I know that I'm hanging on to a sin? How would I know I'm self-righteous about something? How would I know that I'm trusting myself and I'm trusting this world more than I'm trusting Christ? You look, you look the Word of God, which is the Bible, and Jesus, right square in the eye. That's what you do. And so I'm going to invite you to take about a minute and bow your head. And first and foremost, do you live in rest? Are you secure? Do you know who you are? you know that your eternity is secure? Do you know that you'll have everything you need? You got it today, and you're going to have it again tomorrow. Do you know that you are loved and forgiven and pure because of Christ? Is that where you rest? Have you turned your back on sin? Or 
Is there something you're hanging on to? And you know it. And today is the day to repent of it. Let it go. So that when you take communion, you are taking it from a place of rest. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. I want to thank you that my base of operation and each and every person here, they have the opportunity to operate from your rest. But Lord, that decision, that decision to turn my, my back on my self-righteousness, on my pride, on my my, my propensity to believe there's something in this world that can satisfy me. There's something in this world I've got to have. And so I work, and I work, and I work. And Lord, there's so many times that I work, and I work, and I work, and I'm exhausted. And I actually blame you when the truth is. I've turned my back on your rest. Lord, I want to pray for each person here. Would you... Convict them. Make it clear to them that you're offering rest. Touch their hearts for them to see, to know beyond a shadow of a doubt what they're hanging on to instead of you. What they're working at instead of trusting you. We're going to take the bread now, and so I, again, it represents his body, which was broken for you. Let's take it together. Next is the juice. I love, I love this picture. The picture is that this is the blood of Christ, which washes away all your sin and makes you white as snow. That's an incredible base of operations. But before you take this part of the communion, Do you want to rest? Do you want to be washed clean as snow? Do you want to be able to operate each day of your life from the promise that you belong to Jesus? That your eternity is heaven. That it doesn't matter what anybody else in the world thinks about you, not one bit. Because Jesus has made you his child. If you, if you take the juice, 
Take it by faith. Turn away from the works. Let's take it together. Lord Jesus, this is too good to be true. That you would take my sin upon you so that I could rest. I'm the one, I'm the one who blew it. This is too good to be true. That even after I've come to know you and I sin, your blood washes away my sin. That's too good to be true. That, that I could live in a place where on a day-to-day basis, when I wake up in the morning, instead of having to worry about everything I have to get done today to prove I am somebody, to prove I will be somebody, I, I, I don't have to do that. I can rest. That's too good to be true. to believe that there is no sin in this world that will ever satisfy me, that will ever provide for me, that will ever make my life better because I already have everything I need. I can rest. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for our church. I want to pray for our people. Teach us, guide us, do whatever it takes for us to be a people that loves from our rest, that gives from your rest, that works to take care of other people, that sacrifices and and protects and is bold, incredibly bold from our rest, your rest. In your name we pray, amen.